We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time again to join us today. My name is Dan Kotnick and uh, we are officially in off-season mode here at the Pack a Day Podcast. Uh, so before we get to all of the amazing draft coverage and everything else that we have coming up in this off season. Um, my co-host and I, Janelle Mackey, we're, we're down one today, Janelle, Matt Fralick, our good buddy dealing with some health issues. We're wishing him the absolute best through all of this. Um, him and Andrea both. Him and Andrea both. Exactly. Uh, so it's just you and I today. Well, it won't be just you and I, uh, we'll get to our guest here in a second, but uh, before we jump into all of that and before we get into off-season stuff and everything else like that, uh, we've got a great guest on today to talk with us, uh, kind of break down the the NFL season, the Super Bowl, and some of the big things that happened in the NFL uh, this year. Um, before any of that, though, Janelle, the breaking news out of Green Bay, it's really the only news that Packer fans are kind of like keeping an eye on until yeah. free agent signings happen. Joe Barry officially confirmed yesterday as the defensive coordinator, something that we already new and Packer fans already seem to kind of have the lackluster response to not <laughs> Packers <laughs> to, Twitter did its thing and did its basically thing. ripped it to shreds. <laughs> yep. It's one thing that uh, one thing that Packers Twitter is, is great at is, is overreacting to hires. But uh, I mean, th- nothing surprising Joe Barry coming from the Rams. Um, 
you know, it sounds like it'll be a decent fit. He runs the same type of scheme, talks about running the same style as Vic Fangio when he was in uh, Denver. So, I mean, like you and I were kind of talking, it's it's really like we can't kind of make a comment on it until we see what he does with the players, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's totally different, different team, different players. Um, I wouldn't judge him too much on his past, but uh, yeah, it, we're really not going to know what he can bring to this team until the games start playing and we, we see how this defense rolls. And same with Reese Drayton on the special teams. It's kind of like mm-hmm. got to wait and see because he, I think he officially signed too. I don't know if it was same time or whatnot, but yeah, got new guys in and re- realistically, yeah, you can make all your assumptions, but we're not going to know until the season starts how it's really going to play out. Yeah. The, the positive though for Drayton is that the bars have been set so low He'll he should he'll be look great. On, like it he walks into the door, he walks into the door, and he's already he's already yards away better than what what's been happening. Let's Janelle, let's jump into the interview today. I was really excited that we were able to get her on with us today. I was trying to get her on to do uh, to be a part of the the parade of clown show that we had yesterday for our game on Wisconsin live stream, um, and I, I'm actually almost I'm almost. Uh, I'm almost more happy that we get her here because it's it's a it's a better setting. I feel that we're going to be able to give things uh, a chance to breathe more and talk about things more. From the Athletic, it's Lindsay Darkangelo. Welcome in, Lindsay. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Definitely, definitely. So this is we were ju- we were just talking off air, and I was trying to get all of my background, and I, I was like as, asking these questions to figure out to make sure I didn't sound like an idiot. But the one thing I didn't ask: Are you actually from Buffalo originally? <laughs> like, are you a Buffalo girl? Oh yeah, totally. Born and raised, um, Bills fan from the beginning. You know, um, as as it goes when you grow up in Buffalo. I left for a little bit, but you know, something about the city that draws just draws you back in. <laughs> um, so, how did the so? I mean, grow up in Buffalo, so obviously a Buffalo Bills fan. That I mean, it just makes sense. But um, like, how did you first like start getting at the NFL? Like, was it just, was it family, everyone there just being in the community? Like how did your NFL fandom kind of start? Well, uh, I'm uh, an old, the only girl in my family. I have a twin brother and older brother. Um, the neighborhood we grew up in initially, there was just, it was all boys around and I just love sports. And one big thing they liked to play was football. You know, I was the only girl starting from when I was like five years old playing tackle football with, with all of them and the, in the, grassy lot by our, our elementary school. So um, that's really started it. You know, once you play it and then you understand it, yeah, you, you watching it becomes, you know, just the, the thrill of it. And um, foot, sports family, football family. My dad, my dad's a Bills fan. He had season tickets for years. So it just was kind of ingrained in, in our fabric. So I, I want to ask, I want to ask you this question as delicately as I can without, without directly asking you, but are you are you old enough to remember the four year stretch of the Jim Kelly Super Bowl drought? Yes, okay. I am. I have no problem with saying I am forty two years old, even though okay. I look I look like I'm like in my twenties, but <laughs> it just is what it is. No, I was. Um, it's like the best of both worlds, though, yeah, right? Yeah. No, I was in my. Um, I was like 10, 11, 12 during that run and everything. Um, I, I was at the AFC championship game with the chiefs and the bills in 94. I was at the stadium. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, those were some prime years there, but I'm glad that I got to experience it and experience it with my dad. 
um, during the height of, of, of the Bills uh, or, you know, when they were really good because from 96 on, I mean, even those later years, even 2000 when they still had, a, um, I think they lost a, the playoff game. That's when they lost to the Tennessee Titans on the, on the forward pass. Uh. Um, <laughs> we won't talk about that, but it's just been a lot of years of futility since. So unlike those young Bills fans that are out there today who never knew that, at least I got to experience that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So then, like, uh, what kind of drove you from fan to wanting to get more involved with the journalistic side of things? What kind of drove you to pursuing that career path? It's funny because people ask me, like, I'm a late bloomer as far as sports journalism goes. I, I've always been a writer, but I wanted to do the fiction thing first. I wanted to be the next great American novelist. Um, I didn't actually go to school for journalism. I went for creative writing and my after graduation, it just, my career path took me in different directions. And about 2015 is when I really sort of started concentrating on writing more sports related um, articles and features and stuff. I, I was freelancing at the time and I just, I love sports. I love writing. I got my first taste of it. And then I just wanted to kind of try to fuse it together. So that's, that's really when it all started. Um, I freelanced for about three years, really focusing on, uh, on sports journalism and then got hired at the athletic in 2018. Um, haven't looked back since I just, I've, I feel like I really found my niche, my niche as far as covering women's sports goes. And, um, I just love it. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Yeah. Did you say you do WNBA and the Women's National Hockey League, too? Yeah, the NWHL. I cover the Buffalo Buttes. Um, they have a team here in Buffalo and I cover the uh, WNBA as well. Uh, okay. I, I don't. Obviously, there's not a team in Buffalo, but I cover I cover the entire league. So I don't okay. have a specific team. I just I'm a national writer for the athletic. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's Janelle's. That's Janelle's sweet spot. There is is the yep. hockey side the of things. The hockey so. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask about the Sabers, but yeah, you know, we have so with the athletic Buffalo, we have two guys who cover the Bills, two guys who cover the Sabers, and I kind of do everything else in between, um, particularly women's sports. So the Sabers, I don't know. I just feel like they're a hot mess right now, <laughs> um, and they have been for years, unfortunately. Um, I, but I know much more about the Buttes than I do about the Sabres at this point. That's awesome. Good to get those women's hockey minds in here sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're big hockey people, so this is nice. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, luckily, you didn't get mad here. You got the two hockey people mm-hmm. involved here, so we've got a, we got a nice brain trust here. Um, so let's let's talk um, some current stuff. I want to talk about uh, the Super Bowl, obviously. We're freshly outside of that. Um, Packers-Bills would have been a much better Super Bowl, right? Oh, that's all my brothers were texting me. They're like, we would have given them such a better game. Uh, well, Tampa Bay, but also like the Packers. But, you know, I don't know. It's like, it's one of those things where I feel like Tampa Bay just, they had the right game plan, mm-hmm. both at the offensive and defensive side of ball. And I, I almost feel like Kansas City played their best game against us. And then I don't know. I don't know what happened after that. They just, they kind of laid an egg out there and, it just—it's probably one of the more boring Super Bowls I've—I've I've ever seen. I don't know yeah. how you guys feel. About it. No. <laughs> yeah, that—that that AFC Championship matchup—it was heated. There was drama. It was awesome. So to go from watching two really aggressive like NFC AFC championships to that was kind of 
disappointing. I mean, we were all disappointed going into it, but especially like we didn't get the game we wanted out of it anyways. No, no not even the halftime show from what I from what I understand. I didn't watch it, so I don't want to like weigh in, but I'm hearing it was not that good. Um, so like all those pieces, plus I was talking to people. It just didn't seem like it had that much excitement going into the matchup or mm-hmm. the game itself. Like usually the Super Bowl is like this big event um, for people and it just didn't have that same feel to it this year. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, that to kind of open it up, it feels honestly like that's been sports all of 2020 is none of none of them have had like uh, Janelle, like you and I, we talked a lot about the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs just didn't I didn't I didn't think it had like the same, you know, the fire behind it. Um, like yeah, the NBA, the lack of fans just really. I like, mean, the lack of fans and just impactful. Yeah. You can tell you, you don't get that same. You know, you don't get that same atmosphere. It's and it's it's Lindsay and Janelle, both of you. I think you can comment on this and let me know if, if I'm kind of at a, at a coming at this a weird angle. But like, you know, with the way that COVID happened and it opened the door up for so many more sports. Like it was the first time that um, I watched any of the uh, NWSL this summer um, with the cup that they had in Colorado. Uh, I watched more WNBA than I, I ever have. And it's like all, all of the other sports, the MLB, NBA, NHL, I tried to watch them the same amount and I didn't have that same fire, but it was like watching some of these other sports, like it was just something new in the middle of all this COVID. I didn't want, I didn't want like knockoff NBA or knockoff NHL. Like this gave me something new. I, that's kind of as an outsider, that's how I kind of almost viewed it. Yeah. I think one cool thing about the way that WNBA did the bubble season and they did it well and they did it right. Um, I, I just want to disagree with you real quick. I, I yeah. found the WA just as exciting as it always is. Um, maybe just because it's what I cover and everything, but um, I just, they did it right. They did, you know, and the, and the lack of fans, yes, was a, was a, a factor and you definitely felt that, but for the most part, you know, it was, it was a good season. It was a compressed season, but it was, it was successful. Um, but yeah, they were able to reach audiences. They don't normally reach, but part of that is COVID. The other part of that is there were more games on national television this year than ever before. There's like 80 something more games. So people like you who don't normally watch can stumble across it and be like, oh, this is this is kind of cool, actually. You know, you have you have the option to see it and then make a decision and not where in the past it's just been like, I'll never watch that kind of a thing. Um, so the WNBA kind of they're, they're starting to figure out that the more games you put on television, the more you make the product available to people who wouldn't normally find it, you know, maybe online or streaming, the more people might come and become fans and start to watch. Um, it's like we've been people like me who've been covering this league for a long time. have been trying to hammer that point home for years. Like you can't wait for fans and then increase coverage. You got to increase coverage to draw on the fans. Um, yeah, especially with those smaller markets like yes. uh, WNBA and uh, women's national hockey. It's like I'm in Minnesota, so we have both. But the the number of teams is so small, it really takes a lot of effort to branch it out to the bigger market. 
Yeah, and like Minnesota itself, I mean, they have a great market for the Lynx. Uh, you know, as far as fans go, that's that's one of the best cities in, in the in the country to play as a WNBA it's team. Our only good professional team, so <laughs> which never gets mentioned when they're you know right. talk about the great. They're the only ones who bring championships in, so right? Yes, um, yes. No, oh, that's a whole other podcast to go off on. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, essentially, the women's leagues got it right. Except for the NWHL, which is, again, a whole other story. That yeah, that was disappointing to talk about. It. Yeah, I think they tried to follow the blueprint of the WNBA and the National Women's Soccer League, but they, didn't ha- they don't have the resources, the financial resources, to be able to pull it off. That's my, my take. Yeah, I, it's, just, it's, it's been great that like, the, the opportunity there, – there's been opportunity there for some of these leagues to take advantage, and they've absolutely killed it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the one that like the one that stuck out to me was when the NBA did their um the the horse contest uh the the remote horse contest and I'm I'm sitting there watching it and I'm like who is this Quigley like she, she's <laughs> like she's throwing daggers from like downtown and then I started following and I'm like holy crap like and then I just I started following all like the Chicago sky and I'm like the like this is awesome. Like I, I started like following social media. I'm like, this is, it's the same thing. Like I started following Premier League a couple of years ago. Once you start getting into it and you start getting in front of it, you're like, this stuff is amazing. That's what, that's exactly why we try to increase coverage of these players. I started a newsletter called courtside and it, all it is is Q and A's with WNBA players past and present, just to give people a sense of who they are. You know, it's just a laid back Q and a fun questions, mm-hmm. qu- questions about basketball, but also questions about, you know, other stuff, like what their interests are. Because once you establish this like connection, you know, it's like with any sport, it's like with any NFL player that you follow or team that you follow. Once you get to know the athletes and the players, you want to root for them. You want to, you want to follow them. Um, and that, so that's, that's really like where the coverage has been increasing. And it's been, I feel like it's had a positive effect. But yeah, Quigley has been around, my oh, yeah. friend. That, that, she is. She um, is no joke. I'm completely late to the party. Like, <laughs> you I'm are. Sitting here, I'm you like, are late. There's, there's been, there's been a, there's been a female counterpart to Ray Allen just sitting here, mm-hmm. like waiting for me to discover and root for. <laughs> so, so we, so we kind of digressed there in, into a lot of that, but I, I, I don't mind that because you know that, that's what we kind of want to talk about. I want to go back a little bit. Um, to the to the bill side of things with you because I, I want to get this take because you are quite literally the first Bills fan that I've ever spoken to in person <laughs> about this. Um, well, in general, but about this question, Tom Brady almost a year ago leaves the AFC East after you know a twenty year reign of, of terror. Yeah. What what is what is the what is that moment like for you as a Bills fan to see him? finally finally leave well it's like a catch-22 right because you want your team to be able to compete and beat the best and it would have been nice to see to see this bills team go up against the patriots with with tom brady behind center so i mean there's that aspect but also it's like it's like a breath of fresh air right you know now he the people the teams in the nfc have to deal with him for a while you know and and, yeah and (laughs) take yeah, right. And, um, you know, so and and the other aspect of that, there's always this question of was it Brady or was it Belichick? You know, obviously, if you take a quarterback, and you put him on a completely different team. They have weapons, of course, down in Tampa Bay. But to 
the year after go back to the Super Bowl and then win it, I mean, that's that's kind of crazy. And you look at the, where the Patriots are now, you know, Brady's just Brady. Whatever team he's on, it's it's that much better with him behind center. And um, it's just, like I said, it's a catch-22, but it's also like a breath of fresh air. It's like, okay, now we can can kind kind of start fresh again and and see see what this Bills team can do for the next you know five ten years hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I did have some people because I was on Twitter talking about how really wanted that Bills Packers Super Bowl, but <laughs> um, a lot of people were kind of saying they wanted Bills Bucks. How would it? How good would it have felt if? they could have gone in there and played Tom Brady met in the Super Bowl on the big stage. Would you like, what would you have expected from that game? Well, you couldn't have written a better narrative, right? For the year, for the, (laughs) you know, the redemption story, the, you know, revenge, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, Like I said, my brothers were texting me saying we, we could have give, given Tampa Bay a better game. And I don't know. I, the way the bills played against the chiefs. I mean, that was, you know, that was a huge letdown um, because they are capable of doing so much better. But I don't know. It, it makes you wonder, you know, like just the, the hype of the game would have been different. The energy behind it would have been different. There would have been a connection there. Um, I know they were trying to play off Brady goat against, you know, Patrick Mahomes, baby goat or whatever, whatever, yeah. which, OK, yeah, whatever. But, you know, I feel like they would have been more compelling storyline with the Bills, Bucks. And yeah. I mean, I. Well, you know, nobody knows, but I can't help but say I think it would have been a better game. I think that's how we kind of feel as Packer fans looking like, wow, we could have come in and beat the Chiefs if they look like that. Yeah. So there's all these what ifs. And um, I guess, how do you think? I don't know if we asked this already. I know it was in our notes, but I think we might have missed it. How do you think the Packers and Bills would have matched up together in this game? I think that would have been another um, great matchup as well. You know, um, both to to like high high powered offenses, but every time you go into a game, we're thinking that's just going to be one touchdown after the other. Then it ends yeah. up being like you know fourteen <laughs> to seven or something. Um, but I would have loved to see that matchup too. How do you guys? So obviously you said you know you think that Green Bay could have gave the Chiefs a better game, but what happened with with Tampa Bay? And I would love to hear your perspective of like kind of what happened in that game. Boy, uh, three weeks and it's still the wounds are still. <laughs> yeah, she's just pouring salt right into them. <laughs> um, man, I. It, it's really it was that defensive line. It was the same thing at the Packers. Yeah. Happened with the you know happened with the Chiefs. Like I think that's got to be the biggest what if is because if the Packers offensive line is healthy with David Bakhtiari missing from the left tackle spot. And then if the Chiefs defense or offensive line isn't missing, you know, what is it, four of their five starters, like those games probably look so much more different. It was just mm-hmm. that it, it felt it felt a lot like those Buccaneer teams from the early 2000s with uh, with Warren Sapp and everything where those defensive fronts just absolutely dominated people. And then you had a quarterback that wasn't fantastic, you know, numbers wise or anything, just able to not turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> their defense is really good. And what's frustrating is that our defense, everybody knew the one thing they needed to do was pressure Tom Brady, and they didn't. So that we that's like a broken record narrative right there. But, yeah, it was just kind of like it seemed like early on the game plan 
took a turn and they just couldn't recover and it was just playing catch up and not capitalizing on the big moments like the interceptions and it was just it was frustrating but you had that you had that hope through the whole game and then the way it ended was just yeah it, it sucks <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they, I mean at least you know there was you guys were in it, you know, with the Chiefs and the Bills. Like, I was, I was t- t- telling this to my brothers because they, my one brother was asking, like, you know, about Tampa Bay's defense. Like, you know, how come they're getting them? Like, they have a much better defensive line than we do. A. B, our, their linebackers are much bigger than ours. C, they were hitting Kelsey off the line. And you could totally tell that, like, that kept, that would, they'd get in his way, that mess up his route or just whatever affect him mentally. The Bills didn't touch Kelsey the entire game. They let him run free. Um, just uh, Tampa Bay, I just feel like they they were good on both sides of the ball. They had they have a good team, and uh, they just really started clicking. Um, I want to say, what was, the, was their last loss to the Chiefs in the middle of the year? I can't remember. but You might be right. I think, I think you might be right. They just really started clicking after yeah. that, and like uh, everything just came together, and they had yeah. a great game plan. Yeah, and that's what sucks is because they did they literally did everything right. Like there's there's really not anything you could fault them for. Uh, if people want to talk about the penalties and stuff like that, but you don't win. You know what was it, thirty one to nine, because of penalties. Yeah. They they executed offense and defense. Absolutely, the goal perfectly. line stand. Yeah. Like I think that's where the game was like okay. This is obviously yeah. <laughs> gonna go. To, this is gonna swing. Like the momentum swung so hard after that. So yeah. Um, so Lindsay, I want to transition to to uh, to this part of it, and it's kind of it's, it, I mean it's the the crux of why I wanted to to bring you on and to talk with you because the Super Bowl, as boring as the game product is, itself was, and the halftime show was lackluster, and the commercials have always been on a steady. Down, uh, downward decline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, history made on Sunday with Sarah Thomas becoming the first woman to referee in a Super Bowl. Uh, I think at this point, anyone that's watched the NFL for more than like five games has seen Sarah Thomas on on the sidelines since 2015. I'm pretty sure since uh, since she's been in the NFL. When you saw that that Sarah Thomas was going to be a full time referee for the NFL. What was your reaction for it? And as someone that is probably more in touch with that side of it and kind of covering uh, my blind spot, what was the reaction that you saw from people from the community when uh, it was announced that she would be here in the Super Bowl? Well, you know, as someone who covers women's sports, anytime you see a barrier being um crossed over or a glass ceiling being shattered, you know, I support it. I champion it. I want to talk about it. I want to share it. Um, I think with football, it's just been such a long time coming and you had mentioned my book, but I know a wealth of women's football history and women have been trying to play this game or get involved in this game since it was invented. And we're going back to, the late 1800s, 1880s, when the football rules were, American football rules were first really um, cemented uh, at at the college level. Um, I could name numerous examples, which I do mention in my book, of women trying to play and being shut down. And just the fact that it's taken a, a century and a half for 
Sarah Thomas to step on that field at the Super Bowl and be the first woman referee is huge. And I got in trouble <laughs> with a lot of guys for saying this in a tweet. The coolest thing about the Super Bowl, and I didn't clarify for me, I just said the coolest thing about the Super Bowl isn't Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. It's Sarah Thomas. And, you know, I got I, I got a lot of tweets, a lot of angry tweets about how nobody watches the refs and this and that. But if you don't understand how much time has passed for this to happen, if you can't comprehend that, I don't know what to tell you. Um, it's a huge milestone, and it's only the beginning. Um, women are continually making inroads in the NFL. Um, so to see Sarah work, work as hard as she did from, like you said, 2015, and then to get to this point, um, it's just, to me, it's, it, it's incredible. And it's another thing we should be proud of and we should c- celebrate, you know, regardless of, I'm not saying that Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, what they've done isn't incredible. I'm saying what this woman in particular is doing is incredible. And you can appreciate that just as long as just as long with everything else. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. It's just, it's a long time coming and it's just something I'm, I'm just so happy to see. Yeah, it was definitely awesome to, I mean, just kind of see women in football start to get on those big stages, like uh, coaching wise, I think, does Tampa Bay have a female coach on their staff still? They have, they have two. They have um, two. And they're now Super Bowl champions. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's also, I mean, not that I was cheering for the Bucks or anything, but that's still <laughs> cool. It's just kind of like that cool history that we get to start mm-hmm. seeing. And it is disappointing, like you said, when people start commenting on those kinds of things or when there's bad refing. I saw way too many tweets like, oh, well, this is why women shouldn't do it. And it's just like, don't, don't be that guy. And um, yeah, I you, think it's... Yeah. It, you can it, yeah. complain about the refs all you want. Like, yeah, but collectively like, do it. Don't just say don't it's just because of separate Sarah. It, yeah, because of gender. I mean, come on. Yeah, so I think it was. it's cool to really see a woman taking that next step into it. And she's obviously done a great job in this league because she still has her job after five years. So it's it's um, she's earned the right to be here and earned the right to be in that game and really pave pave a path for a lot of women in sports. Yeah. And it's like, that's like anything though, when you have a certain group of uh, fans and I don't want to keep on bringing up men, but you know, it's the majority of people complaining. Um, Dan's nodding everyone. Don't worry. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all men. (laughs) men. But the players respect Sarah. Yeah. That's what's cool. It's It's, it's the fans who don't. It's the fans who fans who have a problem with it. And that's just like the WNBA NBA players respect their counterparts, they risk, they, they're equals, you know, they, they champion the WNBA. It's fans who have a problem with it, who knock the WNBA. So, you know, that's just, I try not to uh, pay attention or, or listen to that chatter too much because it's kind of the same old story that just keeps the same comments get made over and over again. And, um, you know, you just hope that the people who, who see it and appreciate it and, and champion women's sports uh, pass it along and, you know, stand up and say say their piece about it, and then you just keep moving. Yeah, and I think it is awesome. Um... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. At least like the platform I've built for myself, I have a lot of great guys who definitely support me. Like, don't make me feel like I don't belong here. Like, I felt like I belonged here since day one. So that's been awesome. So there's a lot of lot of great guys out there who support it. And unfortunately, the not so great ones always find their way through. <laughs> yeah. But if you can, I mean, that's great for your situation and, and awesome. And I've had the same experience, thankfully. You know, I've had um, people in this industry, especially locally here in Buffalo, just um, talk me up, uh, help me network, bring me on the radio shows, um, and it's just been wonderful. So it, I don't want to act like sit here and say that it's that all guys do that. You know, you you know, the you know, the kind of group I'm talking about, because it's you know, there's plenty of guys out there who who support uh, women athletes and women in sports, too. So Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more with a Credit Karma money spend account. You can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Yeah. And I, I think that's something that I've, I've picked up on when I turn on the games and I, I see the, I see the ponytail from Sarah Thomas on the sidelines. Cause I, I never know who's refereeing the games. I see Sarah Thomas and I see, Oh, okay. Sarah Thomas is refereeing the game. And it never crosses my mind again. Like it's, it's like, she's just become ingratiated in the NFL. And I think that's kind of the goal, right? Is that it's not, it doesn't become a newsworthy thing anymore to have, someone like Sarah Thomas come join the league. Are we seeing that? Are we seeing a shift toward that? Yeah, I, I think so. With football, you know, it's such a, it's such a man's game, you know, it, it just by definition, just by the physicality of it. So I think it's going to take a little longer on the football side of things. Um, but that's the goal. That's the goal for anything. You want it to be a no thing anymore um, where it's just like, okay, cool. Um, whatever. And I think eventually we'll get there. I mean, we've trended in that direction with so many other things, whether it's 
political or sports related or whatever, um, you know, it's just not, it's not that big of an issue anymore. And I've personally, you know, I've been doing this for a while. So I, I personally have seen the evolution um, just in comments and stuff. I mean, there will always be, especially on Twitter and social media, there will always be that kind of hate, whether people even believe it or not, or just doing it to do it, you know, whatever. But if you, t- when I talk to people, like actually have conversations, especially with guys and, you know, there is, there is a, I, I can see the change. I can see the more acceptance as far as, you know, even talking about the WNBA goes. So like I said, I think we're trending in the right direction, but uh, you know, it just, it kind of is what it is. You just got to keep pushing forward. Yeah. And NFL, especially not having that counterpart makes it just that yeah. much more difficult. Like there's NBA, WNBA, hockey, you have men's and women's soccer, same thing. So Football, it's like one of those things that, you know, girls, women growing up aren't as involved in because Mm -hmm. they don't have the option. Like you said, you uh, had the opportunity to to play a little bit. Um, When I got to college, I played some intramurals. So it's kind of like finding your way into it, not just in the media part, but being able to actually experience it and play it for yourself. That's difficult. So um, even opening those kinds of doors, I think it's become more and more for women in that way, just to kind of get them involved in all different aspects of the game. Yeah. And it's like, I think some men view it as their space, right? You know, this is our thing. This is the last thing we have. <laughs> Touch it. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Cause if, if you know the history, you know that women have been in, like, like I said, trying to be involved in this game since its inception. It's not like that. We woke up one day and was like, Oh, you know, let me give football a try. I mean, there's aspects about this game that are appealing to, to, to anyone regardless of gender. I mean, it's a fun game. There's strategy involved, you know, there's athleticism, there's a team sport, but there's places you could shine individually. Um, Each position kind of has its own little wrinkle to it. Uh, There's so many things that just appeal to the human psyche, you know, um, and that has nothing to do with, with gender. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to to play. I played with my brothers in pickup games and stuff, but yeah, because that's twin, as much as you can really do. <laughs> yeah, and that's all I could do because my my twin brother went and joined a league. My parents let him play, but they wouldn't let me play, even though I was just as good, you know, if not better than some kids on his team. Well, I'm talking like eight or nine years old when you're you're pretty much the same. Right. <laughs> um, so it was very frustrating. And then there's no pipeline. It's that much harder for actually for women to get involved in the NFL and in, in football because there's no pipeline. There's no, there's no youth program. There's no, you can't play in high school. And then if you do, it's like one here, one there. As a You're kicker. probably the kicker. Yeah. Yeah. It, mostly. I mean, I know there's been some quarterbacks, but then where do you go after that? You can't go to the college level. Um, so it's just, it's, there's no pipeline. And I know that's something that, that some NFL um, owners and, and coaches are, are discussing and trying to work on um, people in the NFL themselves um, to try to figure out a way to help help bring in women who are interested in being coaches, um, trainers, scouts, uh, things of that nature, refs like like Sarah Thomas. So, I mean, that's happening, but it's it's just it's it's taken a long time. And mm-hmm. um, again, you know, it's it's. It's a sport where, like you had mentioned, there's no real uh, women's counterpart. So um, it's just going to take probably a little longer than, yeah. than uh, you know, I or you would like. Um, 
but it's happening, you know? Yeah. And I would, um, like, I think almost people need to respect when women do get involved in football because at least for me personally, trying to learn a game that you've never played, like in an actual competition, like competitive way, it's a lot of work to Mm -hmm. understand what's going on without ever having been on the field. So I think people also need to consider that when uh, women get into this industry too, they're learning it from basically like a base level Mm -hmm. and they never got to like grow and learn how to play the game. So they have to do so and explain it in a way that, we, we didn't get to see it from the field view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have people like uh, Kaylee Brownson, who uh, coach for the Cleveland Browns. She actually played, there are women's football leagues, tackle mm-hmm. football leagues. They're just mm-hmm. never talked about. Um, and, and they're more amateur than they are pro, but she played for years. And so she understands the game from the field. So you do have a handful of players like that who have graduated from from playing into and getting involved in coaching and whatnot but it's far and few between yeah so i don't i don't know of anything we have up here but if we do it's not ever talked about (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay, i wanted to i wanted to kind of ask this one last question uh before we kind of talk about your book a little bit and you've you've kind of alluded to it a few a few times in uh in this conversation but we're seeing more and more women now actively in the NFL in different roles as, as coaches, Sarah Thomas, obviously, um, you know, even you could argue that Sarah Fuller, uh, you know, bringing attention to a playing aspect of it in college is, is contributing to it. Um, like how, how do you compare the, t- the different men's leagues, like bringing women in and bringing a more inclusive attitude as a par- compared to what the NFL has been doing? Well, I do want to give the NFL props because they have started doing more. Like I said, they've been interested mm-hmm. in creating a pipeline every before the pandemic, they were doing this, this thing, every, every Super Bowl leading up to the Super Bowl, they do a summit um, for women who are interested in coaching and scouting. And like I said, all those different aspects of, of football and then meeting with teams, meeting with coaches. And then those coaches would bring them on for training camp or, um, over the, you know, over the summer, then maybe ask them to say, that's how you're starting to see. That's one of the main things is why you're starting to see more coaches on the female coaches on the sideline, because the NFL is being active about it. Um, what I don't understand with the NBA, because basketball is the same, right? Women's basketball, men's basketball, exactly the same, exactly, exactly the same with football. I can understand like why it would take some time, but I don't understand why it's taking so much time with the NBA. I mean, it's it's that itself comes down to this perception that when you have a male coach and a female coach and the female coach has much more experience on the basketball side of the thing than the, than the men's coach, the men's coach is probably still going to get the job or um, the interview or, or whatever the, you know, it's just, if there's still this stigma, especially when it comes to coaching that men are better coaches um, for all the reasons you could probably assume um, better leaders, um, you know, don't let their emotions get involved, which is ridiculous because how That's many a lie. NBA coaches <laughs> have been kicked out of games, but you know what I'm saying? Like the players wouldn't respect her. They'd respect, mm-hmm. you know, men, like they don't understand the game, which is totally ridiculous. Um, well, wasn't there, um, and Dan cut this out if I'm wrong, but cause you kind of mentioned the getting kicked out. Didn't a coach get kicked out one time? So a female coach did end up Having yeah, Nikki Hammond. Yeah. Yep, yep. Coach Pop, 
uh, lost his cool. And that's, I mean, and that was history made because uh, Becky Hammond came in and she was the first woman to actually coach an NBA game, you know, in, in relief of, uh, uh, the the regular head coach, and uh, I'm sure she did just fine. She did fine. It was a no, it's a no thing. It's a you know, the fact that she doesn't have a head coaching job yet to me is kind of ridiculous at this point. So I, as as far as we make steps forward, you know, there's there's still like it's kind of like there's still steps taken back. So yeah, I mean it's frustrating for someone like me who who is just you know. You know, I'm a I'm a female athlete. I've I've experienced things where, you know, when I was like nine, ten years old, I was told I couldn't play on my my brother's team anymore. I was the only girl on the team because it was getting too rough. The soccer, um, you know. So I've I've experienced <laughs> this, yeah, and I had to go to I had to go to either an all girls team or a, a, a co ed team where there were more girls on the field. It's just very frustrating. You know, and I've experienced those things. So I have like a personal attachment to this. Um, but it's nice to see that there are inroads being made, you know, and it's just, it's just these things take time, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah but luckily we're, we're hitting a, a good stride right now, which yeah. has been awesome to see and getting a lot of good support from a lot of good people. And like you said, a lot of it has to do with the organizations and the leagues. And it's really just getting a select group of people to get on board and respect that. Exactly. And to let go of the stigma and, and offer women an opportunity, you know, and, and apply the same rules that they would as if it were a, a guy in their position, you know, like if they do a good job, if they're qualified, you know, give them that opportunity and see what shakes out. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, too, that that sentiment right there about, you know, if they're if they're qualified, like it should just be that I feel like that's the that's the take that I see more often than not. Now, anytime that there's, you know, an article released about this is the first all African-American uh, uh, officiating crew or, the, you know, uh, Becky Hammond became the first NBA or first woman to coach an NBA game. And now it's almost become more the replies that I see aren't guys like dismissing them because they're women. It's more like, well, isn't if they, if they do the job, why does it matter that they're a woman or why does it matter that they're African-American? Well, it's because for years now, I mean, the NFL has been around for a hundred years and for, I mean, pretty much the entire time it's been a white man's sport. Like there was a period of time, like half the league, you couldn't have African-Americans in it. So yeah, it's a big deal when that, when they're getting there and when women are getting there, because we see like, like kind of like what you're saying, it's not that big of a deal to see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl anymore. We've seen Tom Brady in the Super Bowl 10 times now. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's still an accomplishment, but you know, we, we've seen this, we, we see, we're going to see Tom Brady again, in 50 years when it's a different Tom Brady, you know what I mean? Like, like we're always going to see these people here. So the representation is why it's such a huge, a huge deal now. Yeah. I think realistically the biggest accomplishment will be when it's not an accomplishment that a woman right. did something. So, or yeah. African-American or anything like that, that'll be when we've reached the top. 
Yeah, and I, I completely agree with you. Like right now where it's at, well, let's acknowledge the history that's being made. And then if it happens, it keeps happening like a few years down the road, okay, I get it. No big deal. I can totally ride with you on that one. But let's not like gloss over the, 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 the huge accomplishment or history that's being made at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, Tom Brady still might be playing in 50 years. So that's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to, I was trying to make, I was, I was supposed to be more <laughs> of a generic Tom Brady. Like there will always be a quote unquote Tom Brady, but yeah, when, you know, Tom Brady sells his soul to the devil, he probably lives around for another hundred years or so to, to torment us. Until his son is old enough to take over. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Lindsay, before we let you go, I want to, I want to talk about the book that you have coming out later this year. Um, Hail Mary, the rise and fall of the National Women's Football League. Can you talk to us about just like what inspired you to uh, talk about this story? Um, I mean, obviously you're a football fan, but this story in particular, it's the first nonfiction story, right, from you? So like what what was the inspiration to take on this story as your first uh, piece of nonfiction? Well, I have a co-writer um, and their name is uh, Brittany De La Creta. And uh, Brittany... Brittany and I kind of decided through, a, I won't get into it because it's, kind of, it's kind of a little uh, side story, about we wanted to write a, a football book together about women in football. And originally we, we came up with the idea of just kind of detailing women in, in throughout football history, you know, and now where things are at now and talking about broadcasters and analysts and coaches and all that. But it was too broad. Um, it just, there was too much ground to cover. And Brittany discovered this league, the National Women's Football League that existed in the 1970s. And Brittany was like, I think this is what we need to zero in on because nobody has heard of this league. I, yeah. No, no, nobody has Right over my head, never heard of it. Nobody (laughs) knew it existed. So we, that's what we did. We, uh, we focused in. And so this book is basically, there is at the beginning chapters do detail, you know, women's football history. And then it kind of takes you on this timeline leading up to when and how and where the, the NWFL was created. And then the, the 14 years during its existence, the different teams, the different cities, um, the different players, we tracked down a bunch of players who are in their late sixties to early seventies now who at first were like, you want, wait, you want to talk to us about this? Like (laughs) nobody cared when it was happening. Like what? (laughs) Who are now just realizing the, the groundbreaking um, at the time, just how groundbreaking it was for them to be doing what they were doing. Cause the league started in 1974, it ended in 1988. And during that span, you know, women's sports was really starting to, take off. Um, so we, we detail that, um, it's just, we, we, there's like over 300 players that played. There's no way we could talk to them all tracking Mm -hmm. them down now was hard enough. You know, a lot of it was done through Facebook, um, and just, uh, on a whim, but uh, we talked to as many as we could. And then uh, they, some of them just have incredible stories. So you get to know the players, uh, and the teams, and then we talk about the demise of the league, what was missing, why it didn't work, um, and then the legacy of the league, which we discuss some women's football leagues today, and even you know women's sports where it's at today. So there's just it's a it's a trip. It's a it takes you on this little trip through history, and um, it's just uh, we're we're really excited about it. 
I can't believe that this league existed for 14 years and this is the first time I'm hearing about it. That is insane how things just get like I, I have put to under imagine the rug. that's like I have to imagine that's the reaction you get like almost any time you bring every it up, right? single time. They're every probably like she's time. making this up. My own family, my own family, my friends. Somebody just asked me, you know, like off the cuff, oh, what's your book about? And I say what it's about, and the reaction is pretty much a hundred percent of the time. Really, I didn't, I didn't know there was a National Women's Football League. Yeah, that's the so to be able to put this out there and have it known, and for the players themselves, just to have them be able to have their story out there is really what is is driving this because you know it's for so many years it went unspoken and just to have them get a little recognition would be pretty cool yeah very much so I, i'm i'm looking forward to it. and it comes it comes out uh in november right is that what i saw november uh 2021 we don't have an exact date yet mm-hmm. unfortunately there was no team in green bay there's no uh <laughs> <laughs> team in green bay at the time hey, so. they, no connection uh, now no. yeah well i mean the Packers early on had a hard enough time keeping the team in green Bay in the early part. So I, I can, I can understand, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's still, I'm sure the story, I mean, any, any story like this probably reaches across whether you're, you know, in the middle of, of nowhere, you know, Wisconsin or, Wisconsin's really good anything. about finding a connection somehow. Yeah, that's they true. Will dig, they will dig for a they'll, connection. They'll find it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe I'll be back in the fall and we'll we'll have a connection by then. That's to, right. We'll we'll dig. We'll find it out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Lindsay, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. I'm really glad that we could connect and and, and talk with you about this. Especially, I mean, it was just the perfect point to come in and and uh, have this story told and to talk about it now that the season is over and we kind of like reflect on it. And it, I think it's the perfect timing. So thank you for taking the time uh, to sit with me and Janelle. Um, do you want to let people know where they can find you on uh, online, on social media and anything that you want to kind of promote to people? Yeah. Well, first, just thanks for having me on. I, I really enjoy this conversation. I really enjoy uh, the discussion and talking about women's sports and um, you know, everything we discussed was, was uh, cool. Um, as far as what, where you can find me, uh, I'm on Twitter mostly like that's pretty much that's that's where I do all my all my sharing of articles and talk about what's going on and and, and updates sports updates and all that um dark angel 2021 um and my website lindsaydarkangelo.com and that's that's pretty much it All right very cool well Lindsay thank you again uh from the from the athletic uh covering Buffalo and WNBA author Fantastic person to talk with. She's a Lindsay triple Dark threat. Angelo. She's a triple yeah, threat. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, well, thank you again, Lindsay. Um, everyone listening, thank you for sticking around and listening to us today. Uh, make sure that you're following the podcast, at Packaday Podcast, um, on Twitter, Facebook, um, all of that. We've got tons of content, like we said, coming out each and every day for the rest of the offseason. It's officially draft season now, so we're going to have more of that transitioning uh, the next couple of weeks. So stick around for that. Subscribe, rate, review. It means a lot to us. Um, Janelle, do you want to let people know where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Big Mac underscore four. Uh, obviously on Packaday every other Tuesday. Um, I'm with the Say It Again Network for the hockey fans. The SIA First Line is where you can find the first line. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.